I wonder if man still makes war with his toys. Ah. You're listening to the Action Figure Blues podcast, episode number 263, for the week of Wednesday, the 8th of March, 2017. This episode is brought to you by Mike's Comics and Stuff and ActionFigureBlues.com. I'm Scott. And I'm Adam. Tonight, our toys of the week are the Kid Robot South Park Awesome O PVC figure, the Ultimate Necco Predator City Hunter, the Figurized Mechanics Saiyan Space Pod, and the Diamond Select Gallery Jessica Jones as Jewel statue. you i'm pretty good scott how are you i'm great what's been uh, happening in adam land um not much buying new shoes for running because the other ones i'd burnt through to the the point where i'm burning through foam rather than rubber oh that's bad um yep yeah, and putting together a fantastic four jigsaw puzzle <laughs> oh you make me laugh it's so good so what inspired this is it the first time you've done this puzzle or is it an old favorite I got it for, I think, Christmas, so I figured I may as well do it while I've got um, a couple of free nights. Outstanding. There should yep. be more of it. Hmm. I, I uh, did a, this puzzle with my dad when I was growing up, and it was this huge octagonal puzzle with a number plate for every state in the U.S., uh. and it sat on the dining room table in like our formal dining room that we never used for quite some time. And when we finally completed it, we laminated it. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. I think the, the worst one I've ever had or ever participated in was probably between um, a test cricket one. Oh. Yeah, lots of green and bits of white. Um, and there was one that was like um, a yacht thing and there was – even though you'd think, oh, yeah, with all the different colours that are in the spinnaker and whatever, it was still a nightmare. <laughs> um, parts of this Fantastic Four one are still somewhat of a nightmare. It's from, like, two hundred issue 260-something, I think. So there's a lot of orange because it's basically Human Torch is the main part of the cover. Oh. And then um, the background – oh, sorry, he's more ready than orange, and then the rest of the background is kind of orange and it's all just lines everywhere. It's going, oh, you suck. <laughs> Oh, well. <laughs> oh, I'm most way done. No. Yeah. Oh, that's good, though. It's good to challenge yourself. Yeah, something different. Yeah. How about you? What have you been up to? Oh, uh, lots of working. Um, very busy time at work and been traveling a lot. Um, but uh, family is uh, pushing on horses. Well, horse, thankfully, just one. Um is well and still costing me money. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's all, it's very exciting. Um, so it's just been a very kind of surreal time because it, it all happened a lot quicker than we were, uh, we were kind of imagining that it would. And, yep. um, so there's been a lot to 
do. I was away in Queensland last week, and we before I went away, we ordered a whole bunch of um, just gear and stuff that that we needed online, um, and I had it all delivered to my post office box. And they actually <laughs> called, they actually called me on Friday. And they were like, when you're coming in, there's so many boxes, we can't move. <laughs> like, oh, I'm sorry. No. Yeah. So that was really funny. <laughs> um, so yeah, all good. All good. Normally it's, normally it's, you know, my crap that's cluttering up their post office. So at least when I went in this time, I was like, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. It's the horse. <laughs> Not me. Horse. <laughs> and then you had to spend like 10, 15 minutes talking about horses. Oh, <laughs> they were really, they were actually quite busy. So that was good because okay. I can't get trapped. It's, but they're very cute. It's a, um, I think they're Thai, like a dad and daughter. And, um, he's got a big personality, but not much English. And she's got all the facts and the words. So yeah, it's, it's very cute. <laughs> Excellent. I, uh, w- once, Obviously, it had just been kind of through a patch of, I do get my bigger boxes often delivered to work, and I hadn't been in there for a while. And I went in for something, and he raced out from the back and said, I don't see you for three months. I think you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, that's the first thing that springs to mind. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, so we got one of those shows where um, Adam and I are here, and Ben and Eddie are doing other things, but they are each uh, contributing a re- – well, they've promised to contribute a review, so we've mentioned their items <laughs> in the um, intro. So if either of them fails to do so, we'll just leave 15 minutes of um, uh, blank space. Um, <laughs> or if Ben forgets, we'll leave 25. But the um, – <laughs> yeah, so you, know, you, may, you may have to you know, fast forward, but – um, they're both they're both rather reliable, so I suspect that we'll um, see them. So we're going to hand over to uh, their two review segments, and then we are going to come back and do ours live. Hooray! Hooray! Thanks, guys. Hello, it is Eddie here uh, for my toy of the week. And I (laughs) have obviously been a big fan of the NECA Ultimate series of figures that they have been doing. The first ones that, at least from my memory, that I picked up were the Terminator 2 Ultimate figures. They released about three of them. And I did do an episode of them. It was about a year ago now since that episode came out. But uh, if you travel back in the feed, you can find that. I waxed on uh, about how much I loved those figures. They really were fantastic. And I have been picking up a lot more since then. I've almost been completist. There have been some that I haven't picked up. I'm not the hugest of horror guys. So while I really like the Jason Freddy and I have had them in my hands a couple of times, almost ready to go up to a counter, I haven't picked uh, those ones up yet. And I'm sure there's one or two other uh, video game ones. Nathan Drake's sort of in a similar situation for me there. But one that I was really excited for them to get to uh, has been the Predator license. This 
Uh, I think between Aliens and Predator, it would be hard to pick which is sort of NECA's main license, but Predator's their longest uh, running continual license uh, at the moment. So for them to announce Ultimate uh, Predator figures coming, I was very excited. Uh, I was happy to see that the first Ultimate Predator that they were going to be doing is the one that I'm going to talk about, which is the City Hunter. Uh, for those of you less in the know, the City Hunter is the Predator from Predator 2, the sequel to the original movie set in the future LA city of 1997. Uh, I was excited for this Predator because he's one that I actually don't own. Uh, I don't have a NECA City Hunter Predator. I came to the Predator line uh, later in the game once they started doing the Arnie Dutch figure because for me when it comes to Predator the first film's really where my loyalty lies and I have enjoyed and watched the other films but uh, it's one of those few franchises where for me that first film is just one of the greatest films ever made and I've probably seen the sequels once or twice each if that uh, even Alien vs Predator Requiem I've only seen once and uh, it, it would probably be a hard time for me to go back and watch it again, even though that probably bakes Ben's heart, because I know he's a big fan of the Wolf Predator. Uh, but if I did have to um, choose another Predator, I'd want Predator 2, because it was a sequel that came out around the same time and we've lived with this Predator, uh, he is a bit more of an iconic one. And I actually remember him more. My introduction from Predator came from uh, an old Mega Drive game uh, which I had uh, that was about this film and had this Predator even though I uh, can barely... I just remember it was hard and there was something with motorbikes. I was really young uh, when they came out. Uh, so this guy does kind of stick in my mind and he's also the Batman of the Predators. He comes with all the weapons. So if you're going to do an Ultimate Predator, uh, this guy is the one to kick it off with. So... In the NECA Ultimate style, he comes in a lovely box packaging uh, straight off the bat. This is very collector-friendly. You can open it up, slide a plastic tray out, get all your pieces out. has that wonderful Velcro window at the front of the box that you can open up. Look at the uh, toy inside and all the accessories it comes with. There's some nice uh, detailed pictures on the inside cover of the flap and on the back. The covers of the Ultimate... Uh, boxes tend to be the movie poster, so we've got the one where he's sort of standing out on the gargoyle, uh, holding the skull and spine, roaring over a really uh, bad sort of matte painting of... It's meant to be LA, but in the poster it looks more like it's a New York uh, sort of scaping. And what I love here is that they do include some credits. So I can actually give some people some acknowledgement here on the figure. So we have uh, the director, Randy Fork. Sculpt goes to Kyle Windricks. Paint, uh, John Wardall and Jeffrey Trapp. Prototypes done by True Casting. Photography by Stephen Mazurek. Uh, packaging by Chris Romeo and set design by Stefan Falkens. And apologies if I butchered anyone's uh, name there, but uh, definitely very happy to give anyone who works on these toys a shout-out if I know uh, who they are and can do so. We also get a little bit of a write-up here on the back of the box. 
In the urban jungle of Los Angeles, the police force is at war with the drug lords and gangs. Suddenly, one by one, the gang lords are killed by a mysterious, fierce adversary with almost supernatural powers, the Predator. And it keeps going on. I won't uh, bore you guys by reading it. It's pretty much the film's plot, but let's talk about the main thing here. Uh, we love packaging, but we don't really buy our toys for our packaging. Oh, sometimes we do. But in the most cases, we buy it for the toy on the inside. And I gotta say, I am blown away. I'm just gonna uh, lay my cards out here on Front Street. This Predator is an amazing figure. This might actually be my favourite ultimate figure we have gotten from NECA so far. So he uses a brand new Predator buck. Uh, he is 100% new sculpting and they've added a ton of articulation into him so he can get into all sorts of poses that you'd want from a guy who's uh, hunting other fierce creatures down. So he's got a uh, head on a ball joint. Uh, he's got ball jointed shoulders, double hinged in the elbows. He's got ball jointed wrists. He's got swivels and cuts on the upper body and the lower body above the hips. He's got ball jointed hips. He's got double hinged knees and he's got uh, ball jointed ankle articulation, which gives it a fair bit of nice motion there uh, coming out of the run and a lot of those points have those sort of little uh, other interesting cuts and swivels so you can get that weird bit of range of motion now it's not really articulation joints but worth mentioning as well he's got his uh, little wrist gauntlet here that has the fold-out computer that contains the mini nuke that's got a little hinge on the screen so you can uh, open that up for him to use and he's also got his blades in his wrist that are articulated and they can pop uh, in and out there, which is fantastic. Now the sculpt work on this guy, as you would expect from NECA, is incredible. Uh, he, particularly his unmasked head is just like super <laughs> realistic and amazing. There's really intricate sculpt detail work. Each of his teeth in there in the mandible i'm not even talking about the big claws but the little inner ones are all individually sculpted the city hunter predator has probably the hardest predator face to sculpt because on his eyebrows he's got a very long uh for you australians out there a very john howard uh, reminiscent eyebrows coming up the top of his head uh very like long and uh, bushy uh, kind there uh so that would be <laughs> extremely hard to sculpt and in fairness they don't actually sculpt them what they do here is sort of little illusionary touch of that line work uh, in the sculpt and then a nice bit of paint over it so it does create that 3d effect but they aren't actually individually sculpted on which is probably for the best because they would be breaking like crazy even if it was uh, possible to do uh, you've got the nice uh, sort of tentacle dreadlocks coming in here they're a great soft plastic that's been added over the top so his head has a very nice range of movement and this is really good because he has swappable heads so uh, having these uh, pieces not 
uh, hard plastic is very helpful. Uh, you do want to be careful though when swapping the heads that you don't uh, get it caught up in the track for his uh, shoulder cannon, uh, which is another cool little articulated piece that uh, I shouldn't forget about uh, in that uh, flips up and down and swivels to the side so you can shoot it out. Uh, but yeah, the sculpt work on him, particularly he's got a lot of armor pieces here that are really incredible and have very intricate detail. I'm noticing things about this Predator that I've never noticed before. The little satchels and bags that he co comes with. Sort of there's almost an Aztec design uh, to some of his armored uh, plating here. It almost looks like sort of metal feathers uh, running through that I've never kind of caught before, which kind of does make sense when you see where it goes in the Alien vs. Predator movie, if my memory serves me correctly. So, well, maybe a little bit of foreshadowing here that uh, never really caught. One cool piece of his sculpting that I like is he's got a little circle satchel piece down on his lower leg that is for his uh, sort of razor frisbee disc that he throws. And what I like here is that it's got a hard plastic on the inside but it's soft plastic around so you can actually take the disc and sort of push it in there and it'll stay in there nice and tight but nothing in there actually shows that it'll connect on there's no little peg pieces that clip in or slide through it just attaches right in but doesn't take away from the sculpt if you have it in or have it out nothing shows that ah oh, this is for a toy and you plug it in and that's probably the only ding I would give to the sculpt here is there's a part on the back where you can attach the collapsed version of his spear. Uh, and that's got a little sort of hook clip uh, that comes out so you can attach it on. And when you don't have that in there, uh, it does stand out as sort of this just black plastic uh, clip, which... It does serve a purpose, but I do kind of wish there was a way to take that out and then plug something in there, sort of like we had with the Ultimate Kratos uh, figure. But it's a very minor nitpick, a very minor nitpick. I want to make that um, clear here as I talk uh, through. And it's just because the rest of the sculpting uh, on this guy is so fantastic that these little things that wouldn't be a bother at all on any other figure do stand out just that uh, little bit. But... Uh, Really, this guy is incredible uh, when it comes to sculpting. Even though he's about 8 inches, it'd be in the 6-inch scale. Uh, but yeah, really fantastic job. Uh, Kyle Windrix, you should be very proud of this guy here. Uh, now, I've been talking about the unmasked head because that's the one I got on. Uh, the masked head is almost just as incredible. I really do want to give this a shout-out. Generally... As much as the Mars Predator heads are iconic, the they don't really stand out to me too much in terms of action figures because they're usually a fairly basic sculpt. It's a basic design. It's generally kind of one cover, color over there on the top. But I do really like the masked head here as well. Not as much as the unmasked head because, I mean, the sculpt work in that is just off the planet. Um... But the mask one still does have a lot of detail. So if you actually look in his eye slits, it's very subtle, but it does have that mesh pattern running through in there. Uh, he's got a little bit of a sort of circuitry, almost bone-like design uh, running up uh, the side dents uh, in his helmet. 
And one thing that always strikes me uh, about these mastheads uh, in the sculpting is if you look under the chin, it almost looks as if the predator has a connected jaw, which uh, they don't really. It's kind of an open uh, jaw there because of the mandibles. Now, I don't know if this is how the suit actually looks when they're on set, or if it's just something that NECA does there, but it's always something that strikes me quite weird when, if you're looking at the uh, bottom of a mast head up, it's kind of like, oh, the anatomy doesn't really work that way, but that uh, could be something that they do with the suits on set as well uh, for practicality reasons. Now we're going to move on to the other huge highlight of this figure, uh, the work of John Wardell and Jeffrey Trapp, and that's the paintwork. You can have great sculpting, but if you don't have the paint to go along with it, uh, it can be a so-so figure, but these guys just brought their A-game with the paintwork as well. Just going back to the unmasked Predator head, the amount of paint detail on this is more than entire lines of action figures uh, get. There's maybe five different types of beige probably 10 different types of brown paint used. Uh, we've got even a couple of different uh, shades of black. You've got the mandibles are a different color. You've got different pinks used on the inside of the mouth here. You've got both glossy and matte uh, applications being used. And there's some individual marker points here. So when you're coming around the crest on his head, uh, he's got bits that come out that, that will then have a beige pattern and then sort of a black stripe running through. It's almost like a exotic spider or snake pattern running over it. And I remember hearing back with the Masters of the Universe line that uh, where a figure can get really expensive is individual paint applications. So apparently with Mattel, the most expensive figure that they made uh, for Masters of the Universe as a basic figure was Ratlaw because he has scales and he has stripes painted down his arms and his legs. Uh, just because of the way the scales work with the mask, they were individual paint hits and he came in really expensive. Well, I imagine it would have to be a similar case with this guy here because you would need a bunch of different masks to apply the paint and there's pieces where the crest comes up and under, so you would need multiple masks just to get uh, different areas uh, on him. So I couldn't imagine that just the head sculpt alone on this guy would be crazy expensive uh, for a manufacturer, but the detail in here is just incredible. They get in... I honestly have no idea how they got in there to paint his eyes. Uh, it just feels like... Everything would be in the way uh, there. It looks like the mandible is a separate piece that's then glued in there. So maybe when that's off, it makes it a little bit easier. And credit to him on this mandible is I am pretty sure now that I'm looking close that it's a separate piece glued in over the top. But they've hidden that really well uh, in there. So really incredible work. Uh, and that's just this one head sculpt. All throughout the rest of the body, I mean, he's got both sort of the glossy for that wet effect of the Predator and Matt's lining up perfectly. They've got that sort of bronze, rusted blue running over the armor that's just amazing. There's all sorts of circuitry underneath that point where he hides his razor desk. It's just 
Uh, and there's sort of um, little touches of oranges and browns through there on his skin, giving him that uh, sort of rattlesnake uh, skin color feel. And then you've got the paint uh, of the uh, sculpted sort of fishnet stockings that the predators like to wear. Uh, really, really amazing stuff here on the paint. But uh, you can't have a predator without uh, having hunting weapons. And this guy uh, is the big guy when it comes to uh, having lots of different pieces. But while we're on paint, we're going to talk about uh, the skull and spine that he comes with. So kind of an iconic piece of the predators is they rip out people's skulls and spines. And this guy comes with one. Now, I haven't picked up the Predator accessory pack, but I'm sure this is probably a reused mold of one of those. Even still, it's a really well-sculpted human skull and spine piece coming along the side. Uh, the spine did look a little bit short, but on comparing it to uh, some of my human figures, it actually did seem to line up all right. So it might just be a slight bit of optic illusion, but it seems to be an in-scale uh, six-inch skull and spine but there's a lot of sort of fleshy pink and red paint tone that they've uh, run over this and even some uh, <laughs> sort of black bile uh, paint that they've run through there as well that makes this look like it's a really fresh skull like he's only just ripped that out seconds ago uh, he also comes with plenty of different hands but the hands uh, do serve for different accessories. So I'll talk about the hands as I talk about the accessories. So there's one hand for holding up the uh, skull and spine. You've got a basic open hand, uh, and that one for the skull is on the right hand. On the left, you've got a basic open hand. Uh, you've also got a sort of semi-closed gripping one for his spear so you get both a collapsed and extended version of the spear and the sculpt work in that is incredible the way uh, you can sort of see how it would collapse down but uh, it obviously doesn't because it wouldn't practically work in such a way uh, you also on the left hand side have a very flat one that looks like he's done paper in a game of rock paper scissors and this seems like a bit of an odd one and what it's actually for it's for his net casting gun uh, and sort of the weird way that he uses that in the film it sort of he slides his uh, hand in there and then his thumb connects with like the trigger part on the outside and this is kind of cool because that trigger gun will connect uh, onto these sort of shin guard uh, down on his legs so he can carry that with him there as well. You do have another right hand that's sort of semi-open and this is for the razor throwing disc and his fingers will slot into the holes that are there on that disc. Now it's part of the film that they have that hole so uh, it's not taking away from the sculpt and that's uh, really cool so he can hold them there as well. Uh, he does come with a laser blast effect for his shoulder cannon uh, you do need to sort of have a look on the inside and see how it matches up with the barrel to connect it in there so it will stay on uh, nice and well. But that's great. You get some nice motion there. Uh, the one that really sort of um, stood out to me, because I'd forgotten this was even in the film, but on his gauntlet, a piece of the armor plating will detach. And then there's another piece that looks almost identical uh, but it's got sort of a spine pattern on it jutting forward 
and it's he's sort of energy flitchlet that uh, shoots a minor little blast out uh, of his gauntlet there, which is really fantastic that they included that because if it wasn't there, I wouldn't have noticed and wouldn't have cared, but it just shows that they went to some really great detail and attention there in what they were going to add uh, to this guy as a figure. Uh, and now he does also have little uh, weapons and pieces on, like he's got the razor blades in his right-hand gauntlet, and he's got his little pouches on strings that the Predators uh, tend to come with. Um, but really, really a fantastic piece. Now, he set me back $50, which is the average Australian price here for these Ultimate figures, which is actually really good because I don't know what's happened, but the Ultimate figures seem to be staying around that 50 price mark, whereas the regular NECA figures are sort of hitting around that $48 price mark. Uh, so these guys here in Australia really are just basic NECA figure prices, but you're getting so much more with them. So uh, I do really love this line. This guy is fantastic. Now, I do own the Jungle Hunter Predator already, but this guy is so good and such just one of those figures that I constantly have been keeping on my desk here and as I'm working on uh, other things around the house. I do keep playing with him and picking him up and swapping pieces over. Uh, so he is just falls into a fantastic figure. He's going to be uh, a highlight. We, we sort of haven't really done one for last year, but if we do a best of 2017... Uh, this guy is one of the front runners at the moment, folks. Uh, we're about a quarter of the way through the year, and uh, this guy is one of the ones that uh, figures coming out are going to have to contend to beat. So, uh, Dolly rating, I'd have to give him 10 out of 10. Like, apart from that little C clip plastic on the back, which is so negligible, it's barely a complaint. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that's big enough to knock it down the grade to 9 or even a 9.5. Uh, we're just talking semantics here, and it does serve a purpose. It does work. So, yeah, guys, I've got to give him a 10 out of 10. If you're a Predator fan, this guy uh, is literally the ultimate Predator uh, figure for your shelf. So, uh, highest of recommends. And that brings me to the end here, so I'm going to wrap things up and send you guys on to the next section. Bye. Good journey. Eddie, insert something here. Uh, music, please. In the ghetto, on the cold and gray Chicago morning, a little baby child is born in the ghetto, in the ghetto. Greetings, valued listener. Ben, a.k.a. Fish Milkshake here, coming at you with another Action Figure Blues Toy of the Week review. And for this instalment, I am reviewing the South Park Awesomeo Medium figure. This was a kid robot release in 2016, also a 2016 acquisition for me. Now, in terms of statue, action figure, etc., um, yeah, well, kid robot have built this as a medium figure. Uh, I'm not sure how... They've determined that's a medium figure, but, uh, well, look, it's a PVC figure, and, yeah, he's around six inches tall, but he's also about six inches wide, six inches deep. He's uh, pretty much a giant six-inch cube of plastic. All right, 
Well, for those not in the know, this is from an episode of South Park from many years ago where Cartman the Jerk, as always, decides to play a prank on poor old Butters uh, and dresses himself up in a cardboard box as a very rudimentary robot, has himself delivered to Butters' house uh, as a a prize or something like that to try and learn some of Butters' deepest, darkest secrets to embarrass him. Uh, It all goes pear-shaped and it is one of my all-time favourite episodes of South Park. All right, well, this guy will set you back about 60 US dollars. Now, is that value for money for a vinyl figure? Eh, well, you know, we'll probably get to that in good time. Um, being a vinyl figure, it is, uh, I think it's pretty much injection molded. It's a big, heavy hunk of plastic, but um, there are sort of parts of it that I, I feel I can sort of press in with a thumb that gives me the impression it is actually hollow inside. But don't get me wrong, this is a big, heavy figure. Um, I have, I've, I've, you know, tampered with South Park figures in the past, picking up bits and pieces from Mezco and also the uh, the Blind Box series from Kid Robot a few years ago. Um, and so this one was uh, a must-buy for me, despite not owning the Mezco Awesomeo figure. And uh, when I pre-ordered it, I was a bit surprised at the price being around $60. Um, I had no idea of scale at the time, and I guess you know I can't really comment on scale because it doesn't fit in with anything. Um, but yeah, I was really quite surprised when this guy arrived, and he's as big as he is, so uh, I think that goes a little towards justifying that sort of higher price tag. Alright, well let's start things off with the packaging. Uh, this is a lot of fun. I enjoy this one. It's a pretty darn big box, and uh, they've detailed it to make it look like the crate that Awesomeo was delivered in to Butter's house, and so while we've got the, the you know the usual sort of kid robot type um and graphics on there, they do go out of their way to make it look like, uh, you know, the original packaging box. So on the bottom, it's actually got two butters from, you know, such and such, etc. So nice to see them having a bit of fun with that box. I'd say uh, it's not the sort of thing you'd see on the shelf of a normal toy shop. So it's got a, a bit of a specialty feel to it um, by not going out of their way to show too much in the way of graphics. Um, when you get that big box open, you're met with a split um, tray Uh, Just one of those typical plastic trays, but because the figure is so big and heavy, that plastic tray can actually be a bit unwieldy. Um, But, you know, it comes out with a crinkle and a crunch and it separates quite easy. The package holds um, Awesomeo in there quite well, um, as well as the accessory, which I'll get to later. Um, So anyway, you get Awesomeo out and yes, he's a giant chunk of plastic and you've got to be careful of uh, the head of Awesomeo because it is actually detachable and and it comes off quite quickly. There's actually nothing sort of locking it into place uh, as such. It just sort of slips over the top. So be careful it doesn't sort of flip off and fall on the floor. Um, Yep, collector friendly. He slips back in nice and easy back in the box for storage if you wanted to keep him like that. Now, in terms of the sculpt, uh, I was actually pretty surprised here. I thought that what we would get is uh, pretty much a a giant block of uh, brown PVC um, with most of the detail actually painted on. But that's actually not the case. Um, They've gone out of their way to actually replicate Awesomeo exactly. I was comparing it to some screenshots uh, on, on the web. And uh, they've got all the little nuances down, all the little bits and bobs. So Cartman uh, basically takes this cardboard box and glues a whole bunch of crap to it to make it look like a robot, uh, a pretty crappy robot. But, you know, he's just got bits and pieces like a remote control and some Duracell batteries to make it look like a power pack and a really cruddy antenna, uh, etc. So um, 
I think they've actually replicated that really well. Nothing looks too detailed. It actually does look kind of cheesy. Uh, and I think, you know, they've got to work hard to sort of make that look, um, I guess, you know, not cheesy on the toy, but still relevant to the source material. So uh, I think they've done quite well. Um, I think where the sculpt really stands out is when you lift the, the head, the awesome head off, and underneath we've actually got the head of Eric Cartman, uh, staring at us and later in the episode Eric gets his comeuppance and, and things go uh, quite badly for him so um, you know he gets his due um, he's got a look on his face that's uh, quite a bit frazzled and if you've seen the episode you'll know why Cartman starts to suffer a bit towards the end uh, and I think they've captured that perfectly there's a couple of worry lines etc um, what I was actually really surprised about with Cartman's head sculpt uh, is most of the features are actually sculpted. I thought it might just be a, you know sort of a, a round ball of um, PVC with most of the features painted on. Um, but really, the only thing that's actually painted on are those couple of worry lines. Uh, even his eyes are actually sculpted, so they stick out slightly from the rest of his face, and you can actually run your thumb over and feel the contour. His eyebrows as well are separately sculpted, as well as the mouth and, and sort of the chubbiness of his chin. Uh, best part of all is the hair. He's not wearing his traditional beanie and so all of that hair is sculpted as well so that's actually really impressive i, I thought um that that you know they might sort of cut some corners there but uh, it really looks uh, a lot of fun particularly in, in this sort of bigger scale so lots of other groovy things happening even on the back of awesome there's some fun stuff there's more battery packs and uh looks like a bit of a power board sort of glued on that, that cartman's stuck on so um you know they haven't skipped any of the features that you would see uh if you have watched the episode there's the uh sort of springy cable coming out the side uh, of the head that going into the, the sort of the torso I guess um, to make it look a bit more roboty. that's replicated with some twisty wire um, I actually have a lot of trouble keeping the wire in so where it goes from the head into the body I have trouble keeping it into the body which is really frustrating because I can see that it's actually meant to stay in um, but every time I sort of lift the head off that just springs and, and comes undone which is um, quite frustrating and I'm worried that if I push it too hard I'm just going to break it Anyway, um, look, I think, yeah, great job on the sculpt. They've, they've replicated it uh, as well as they can uh, compared to the source material, but also trying to make it look like a, a professional job. Um, moving on to paint, uh, same thing again. Most of it, I think they've done some really good work in bringing out some of the finer detail on sort of the cheesy bits that are glued on. Um, and there's one particular strip of sort of bibs and bobs where I thought there was a bit of slop in the paintwork. Uh, and then I realised that the slop is actually a different colour to the thing that is, is painted. And I thought, ah, OK, they've actually replicated sort of the, the PVC glue that uh, Cartman has used to glue that particular thing onto the cardboard. So that's actually quite fun, uh, as well as um, there's quite a few other really sort of neat little uh, jobs that they've done. There are a couple of things that are just straight painted on. Uh, the most noticeable is actually the eyes. And so those two big black eyes where Cartman is looking out of the cardboard box are actually painted on. Um, I can't really, you know, I'm still trying to decide whether I think there's a bit of a cheat there and whether they should have been sculpted. But because of the, the way, uh, the crude way that the TV show is animated, um, there's no real detail to see there. So I couldn't tell from the episode whether, you know, there's any kind of uh, indentation uh, other than the two black dots. Um, the mouth hole where uh, Carmen sort of talks and breathes out of uh, is fully sculpted and, and that's sort of nicely sort of uh, highlighted. Um 
I think in, in keeping with both the crudeness of the animation and, and of course, the concept of this 10-year-old kid building a, a crappy robot um, out of cardboard and bits and pieces, there's actually no sort of shading or highlighting on anything. Uh, everything just has a, a single colour to, to bring it out, and that's it. So, for instance, the batteries, which are clearly meant to replicate the Duracells, the copper tops, have the copper colour on the top, the black colour on the bottom, and that's it. Um, so, you know, there's nothing here that has any kind of highlighting or shading at all. But I think they've done well. Uh, I think uh, everything they've picked seems to be representative of that source material, and so it looks really good. Probably my only complaint in this particular area is the way they've done the injection moulding on the main body of Awesome-O, sort of so replicate that sort of crappy brown cardboard colour. Um, there seems to be some discoloration in the way the injection mouldings happened. You can see it's almost, uh, you know, if I didn't, if I didn't know any better, I'd say it almost looks like it's got sort of sort of water damage. Um, and I know that's not the case. I know it is actually because of the the injection mouldings. And so it's it's a little bit distracting in places uh, under bright light where it really stands out, but. At the same time, uh, I'm kind of wondering, you know, whether it just adds uh, another sort of fun element to sort of that that crudity of, you know, uh, the, the way, um, you know, what the toy is actually meant to represent. So um, it is meant to be, you know, cheap and nasty. And, and I think maybe, you know, does it add another level or does it just annoy me uh, in the manufacturing process? But anyway, that's uh, the paint done. In terms of articulation, well, this is a vinyl toy, so you don't expect a, a lot to happen here. The most obvious, as I mentioned before, is that the head lifts off. So the head of Awesomeo lifts off, revealing uh, Cartman underneath. Cartman's head does actually rotate, so... There's a nice little hidden joint there that allows you to turn Cartman's head around. Um, you can turn it a fair way um, without any sort of problems, but I notice if you actually turn it too far to one side or the other, you actually can't get the head back on. So looking at the inside of the head, you can actually see that it's uh, it's oval-shaped, and because of the shape of Cartman's head, if you actually get that too far out of alignment, you can't get Awesomeo's head back on. Um, no big deal there, just something that I noticed. Um, the other articulation is the two sort of cheesy arms sticking out the front uh, both have just a single sort of cut joint that allows you to rotate those uh, and get a bit of a you know bit of a different fun angle to them so not much going on there in the articulation department but you know for a vinyl toy you don't really expect a whole lot of that sort of thing so I was pleasantly surprised when uh, the arms did actually rotate like that. Uh, you know, this is certainly one of those things that you sort of pop on the shelf um, with the head slightly up and Cartman sort of peeking out underneath and you just leave it uh, as is because it looks fun. Um, in terms of accessories, only the one, and that is a tube of toothpaste. Um, without going into any details, it does actually play a part in the episode. Uh, which, you know, is quite fun. Um, it's a fun little tube of toothpaste, and despite the sort of weird little, uh, almost sort of Lego-type hands, uh, he can actually hold that tube of toothpaste, which is uh, pretty cool. Um, you'd have to be sort of careful. You've got to get it sort of positioned in there and, uh, and then sort of leave it alone. But I'd keep an eye on it because it can sort of come out with a bit of a bump. So that's the only uh, accessory. Um, in terms of a dolly rating, this is a really fun piece, but I think my biggest disappointment is, uh, I guess, a lack of commitment from Kid Robot to, to bring out other figures in this scale. I know they've done a couple of other things. The one that comes to mind is 
a Cartman that they did for uh, the Stick of Truth, uh, which is in the same scale. I've seen photos on the web uh, of them side by side, and they're, they're pretty good. Um, so, you know, it's a bit of a, an odd one. I don't see Kid Robot really uh, cranking these out um, at all. It seems to be a bit of a, a specialist piece as the idea uh, you know, comes to mind. They, they get it into production and out. Um, so it looks good sitting on the shelf. It's a lot of fun, but um, it's almost kind of a one-off. You, you know, there doesn't seem to be any plans to get the rest of the kids uh, in various guises to sort of sit alongside him. Um, so that's my biggest gripe. Also, just the way the injection moulding has got some discoloration. Again, I'm a bit sort of torn between that. Um, $60 feels like an awful lot. I think this is obviously being billed as a bit of a designer figure. This is not a, uh, a sell-through uh, bricks-and-mortar type deal. Uh, it is a, a specialist PVC piece. So, yeah, you know, three Marvel Legends equivalent. Yeah, look, there's probably that much plastic involved, but there's also not a lot happening. Uh, it's really just two giant blocks of PVC with a few extra bits and pieces. So, um, look, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, I think there's a few things holding it back, and I'll wrap this one up by giving it uh, a pretty solid 8 out of 10 dollies. Thanks very much, and I'll catch you next time. Eddie, insert something here. Uh, music, please. Well, Adam, of course, is famous for choosing to review things that are hard to pronounce. Um, tonight's Toy of the Week isn't really hard to pronounce, but there are many words, um, as usual. So I will let you say it and talk about it. Hooray! Um, so this is the Figure Rise Mechanics Saiyan Spaceport. So this is the... Um, well, it's in the line where Bandai make model kits of, that are snap together and they basically make you an action figure that's pretty much as poseable as like an SH figure arts or similar. Um, so this is, they have a mechanics line. So far, as far as Dragon Ball Z is concerned, the first one is the same space pod. The, um, the second one is now out, I think, which is the freezers hover chair hover pod thing. So I have one of those coming shortly. Okay. Yep. Yep. Um, so I guess the, the other thing is that, you can just get these things, cut them off the sprues, sand back um, the rest of the sprue and snap them together and you're done, and it still looks okay. Or you can put a bit more effort in and do a proper model kit and paint it up, which is what I've chosen to do here. Uh, so getting the rest of the preliminaries out of the way, this is, as I said, a Bandai Figurize product. It was released in 2016. I got mine in 2016 just. Um, it's a model kit rather than an action figure or a vehicle, but it is somewhat a vehicle. Uh, they were $45 US on release, so it's not entirely cheap. It's about what I normally pay in Australia anyway for a Formula One model kit anyway, so it's not a big deal. I bought two of them, um, one just so I could put it together and see how it went, the other one, because that way if I had two and fit a figure arts figure well, then I could have two with figure arts figures in it. <laughs> uh, we'll come back to that in a bit because it ain't going to fit the other figure that I plan to get in there once it, it becomes available and I purchase it. Um, in terms of packaging, the packaging is actually pretty, pretty bland in terms of what it is. Uh, it's really just a big fuck-off model kit box. Um, <laughs> 
So, <laughs> so what, you know, it's, what is one of those when it's at home? I just, mm. Well, you know, it's got um, it's just all cardboard. It's shrink wrapped in this particular case. Not every bottle kit that I get is shrink wrapped, but that's fine. Um, so it's got some, you know, uh, sketch art or hand drawn design art on the front. Um, it has a picture of the assembled and uh, definitely painted version on the front. Um, the sides, so one side had, or two sides have essentially repeated the, the front cover, but in smaller format. Okay. Um, another side shows some of the features of the model kit, and another one shows other things about the model kit, as well as um, showing some reference art from the Dragon Ball Z anime show. Uh, the So that's the lid, essentially. The base part is just a... Um, a recycled cardboard-looking box, half. So that that's pretty much as far as I consider it a standard model kit what box. What I, I love about the um, packaging is where, in the English translation, it says, full reproduction of a symbolic Dragon Ball spaceship. I know, right? What, what's symbolic about it? Well, I would say it's more iconic is probably the word that they're after. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's you know the the mode of travel in Dragon Ball Z for the most part, or at least if you're a Saiyan. Of course, um, only if you're a Saiyan. Yeah. yeah. Well, technically, anyone that works in the Galactic Empire or for Freezer. Um, so the Ginyu Force, which is another set of people that fight for Freezer, um, also get around in pods like this. But there's have the the Ginyu Force insignia on it. So I'm also thinking that I might just do up my second one and make my own decal and put it on there. Cool. But, um, yeah, I haven't committed to that yet, but I'm thinking about it. And I've gone so far as to make sure I've got a good insignia to decal up. Um, so where were we? We talked about the box. Yeah, so it's big and sexy like a Michael Bolton vocal hook. Um, <laughs> the, the shrink wrap is on there. It doesn't really bother me that much for the one that I'm – I have in storage waiting to put together because it's going to make sure that I don't lose parts. Um, Once you open the box up, you have standard model kit fare in terms of um, a whole lot of sprues. Now, there are a variety of different colored parts because um, there's the outer shell is kind of a grayish white. There's um, the the windscreen looking view panel that's uh, translucent purple. There are um, the seat is an orangey color. Uh, there's little green translucent bits. There's grayish translucent, uh, gray, yeah, not translucent, just grayish parts. And the inside part is like a a bit of an off white, but it's a slightly different shade to the outer um, shell. So there's there's all of those. The other part is um, you get a non-posable Vegeta figure that you can snap together. So it's essentially just Vegeta with his eyes closed, head down, arms folded, so just to put in the chair. Okay, I was wondering, just looking at the art, whether it actually came with the figure or not. Yeah. Now, I haven't assembled mine because I don't care to. Um, For a couple of reasons, right? So one is I would definitely have to do some painting to make use of that. Okay. And the other one being that, considering I plan to use this for figure arts, I intend to put actual figure arts in there, so I have yep, no use yep. for that figure. And it's also not articulated, so bleh. Yep. Um, so once you do that, you take it, take everything off the sprues, clean it all up. Um, I went through a couple of different 
bits of painting on this. So I've painted the interior padding part all white. Um, I wasn't planning to, but I did do all the um, all the lines inside the padding with like a, a combination of grey and blue, like to to make it kind of that grey blue colour. As well as the same, I did those notches on the outside. Because I'm not the best at painting, um, I painted outside the lines, and therefore I had to go and do touch-ups using white paint. Oh, well. So, yeah. Sounds like my entire primary school career. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I'm never never really one for painting, so that's fine. Um, you snap it. I think you snap together various parts of the um, the shell and padding, and like once you've done whatever painting you want to do, and fit that all together. The seat I painted brown. It starts off as an orangey-yellow plastic, which doesn't look right in terms of reference art. So I did that up. Uh, I painted up the um, footrests and through to the kind of the little landing step part that comes out. I painted those up in the same kind of greyish-blue that I've used around the rest of the model. Um, I also painted up there's two little... Um, they look like hydraulic y pneumatic arms. So I guess in reality they'd probably be either new oh, could they be hydraulic? I'm not sure. They could Hydra- be hydraulic. Hydraulic pneumatic Yeah, I'm not sure whether they'd be hydraulic or pneumatic in real life. It's the new punching hands. Yeah. 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 Um so they start off as I'm trying to remember, some kind of um I think white or grey plastic. Um I've painted them up so they look like they do in control art or reference art. So they're now silver with the same bluey-grey on them. Um, so to do that, and then you, you slide those into the – there's some slots in the the um, chair part. So that's cool. You put it all together. There's a few stickers to apply, um, and they are actually pretty easy to do, which is quite nice. I'm terrible at stickers and decals generally. So the fact I didn't stuff them royally is a plus. Hmm. Um, I think the chair goes in there at some point. I can't remember where. Um, then you basically put the front on last, close it all up, and there's a a little stand base for it as well, which plugs into the bottom, which is quite cool. Yeah, very good. Because otherwise you've got essentially a giant baseball rolling around. Um, And there's a little notch in the bottom to make sure it sits there properly. So the sculpt is fine. Um, The paint, yes, you have to paint it yourself if you want it to look like reference art. Otherwise it's... um, going to be fractionally underwhelming. Um, you could also consider painting the entire outer more of a metallic grey colour, depending on which set of art you look at, because it varied from kind of picture to picture. Um, articulation, so like I said, the, the door opens and that's about it. If you want to put a figure in there, you can. Uh, for reference, uh, the original Super Saiyan Vegeta just fits in there. It's a bit of a snug fit. Uh, so some of your other figures won't fit too well, like a Saiyan Saga Vegeta does not fit very well because of his, um, his I guess I call them skirt pauldrons, um, <laughs> or loin girdle pauldrons. I don't know what you want to call them, but there you go. They're both fantastic. Yeah, um, which is a bit of a nuisance considering that's the figure that you'd most likely want to put in there. The other figure I would want to put in there um, when it comes out is the Napper because he also arrives in a Saiyan space pod. Uh, but there, if I can only just fit a Vegeta in there and sitting in the seat, Napper is just going to be like curled up in the fetal position and shoved in there in a brutal fashion. 
um, so it's not going to be a comfortable ride for him. So the accessories um, department, I mean, you could maybe count the stand as an accessory. I would count the um, the Vegeta static model sitting pose um, as a as a um, accessory because I don't think it's the main feature of the the lovely space pod. Um, so yeah, you get a little bit of accessorization. A dolly rating, uh, I would probably say, for me, this got about 9 out of 10. Um, I think mainly there's a couple problems I had with getting it all to sit flush, and it's not just that I was, you know, fractionally lazy in some of my sanding or anything like that. It's just that I don't think all the joints um, fit together seamlessly. So there's a couple of little gaps that you can see, and, you know, it's nothing major, but it's just not a perfect fit. Um I also think, you know, I accept it's a model kit. If you're going to release this as a, a full-blown um, vehicle, you'd probably be paying twice as much just to get it painted. So from that point of view, I'm happy to take the trade off there. Remind me what the price was. It was 45 US. Okay. And you've bought model kits from this company before? I have not bought a model kit from Bundai before, so okay. that was that was new. Um, it's also uh, entirely a snap-together kit. There's no glue required. Huh. Mm. That sounds like my kind of model kit. Yeah. But it's how, is, it, is it painted at all or? Uh, in terms of do you have to paint it at all? You like, you know, how much painting do you have to do to make it passable? So realistically, I didn't do anything particularly. Oh, I did a little bit of um, a little bit of a silver wash in a couple of places, um, and the hardest part was trying to just essentially. I tried doing a wash to do the um, the grey lines on the interior and stuff that up. And if I'd got that right, it would have been next to none. Okay. So you can do it with minimal painting if you want. So you had to then go in and kind of fill in the lines after the wash failed or what how what do you yeah so so um i went too heavy with the wash it overflowed the lines oh, and it's on white plastic so once it and it's white textured plastic so it wasn't just easy to, to wash it back off um so then it was just paint over with white and start again cool yeah well i don't know that have you reviewed a model kit before i can't imagine anyone else would have reviewed a model kit i don't think so Wow, 262 episodes and we're still innovating. Yeah. Keeping it fresh and all that jazz. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, thank you very much for that, Adam. We will take a short break and we'll come back with our final try of the week and also our goodbyes for the episode. Hooray. Hey. Oh, you are beautiful. No, really, you are. You're gorgeous. Look at that. Well, I'll now hand over to Scott, who has the distinction and pleasure of handling our final toy of the week. Why, thank you. I am reviewing uh, something from the Diamond Select Gallery Statue Series, which I've been really interested in and tried really hard uh, not to start collecting, but, yeah, it's me, so hello. And... uh, I this is Jessica Jones as Jewel. So if you don't know what this series is, um this is a PVC uh they call them dioramas, but I mean they're really 
statues with a base. Um, from, uh, they're about this is about nine inches tall. It's kind of the, almost the same scale as the uh, Kotobukiya Bishojo um, stuff, a little tiny bit bigger. And they have recently started uh, pumping out this line with quite a number of Marvel characters. Um, before this. Uh, We've seen Hulk, Spider-Man, um, a pretty amazing Doctor Strange that I am finding really hard to leave on the uh, shelf, um, Spider-Gwen, uh, Captain Marvel, which I do have because I love Carol Danvers, um, and uh, Lady Thor, etc. Um, but this is one that I decided to pick up because uh, I saw this on display alongside some um, Marvel Bishojo statues and saw that it they basically scale together. This is a tiny bit bigger, but you know, oh. as a character that um, has uh, we haven't had a action figure of yet. We're about to get one in the um, Marvel Legends baby line. Um, you know, it used to be sensibly called Marvel Universe before they just changed it and confused everyone. Um, yeah. And uh, I had a really funny experience because I got this at my local Zing, and I said, "Oh, can I get the Jessica Jones's jewel statue?" Because they're up, you know. And he had to get it for me, and then he got over and he was like, "Uh, which one?" And I'm like, "Next to Deadpool." And he's like, "Uh," I'm like, "How did you get a job here?" (laughs) (laughs) And he was like, "Oh, I'm a DC guy." I was like, "Oh, whatever." Um, (laughs) uh, (laughs) um, So this is quite fun. this is, I think they, they, they definitely go for under $50 in the US. Um, it was about $80 here. Um, but something for this scale, um, et cetera, even for a PVC piece, that is a really nice, uh, price. The, this is sculpted by Alejandro Pereira, um, whose work I'm not familiar with, but he's done a fine job. And, um, this is just fun. It's, you know, Jessica Jones in her, jewel costume when she was doing the superhero thing. Um, and, uh, she's got a really fun base, um, which, uh, is made of little, um, uh, you know, kind of jewels for lack of a better word. Uh, she is blowing, um, a kiss of purple stars, it says, which is here. Okay. Whatever. Um, what her power is just super strength, right? She had base flight, powers or something as well, didn't she? I can't remember that much because it only really got, or up to where I stopped reading, was a vague um, back reference in Alias. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but she, she, the the blowing purple stars thing was not part of her power. Not that I can remember, no. Got it. Okay, I didn't think so, but uh, I can't say that I've ever read a comic book with Jewel in it. I've definitely read it with Jessica Jones in it, but there you go. Sure. Um, the, the pose is, you know, kind of Bishojo-ish, which is another reason why I felt like this would work. Um, it's cutesy and, uh, uh, you can tell a little bit that, you know, this is a budget piece. It's not quite as detailed as, um, the, some of the other lines that, uh, I collect. Um, but the, the paintwork is really nice. It's, um, you know, that there is some quite nice, uh, detail, um, but it does have that 
uh, you can tell that it, the price point that it's at, it's, you know, quite light and it certainly doesn't have the, um, degree of detail that something like a Bishojo piece has, etc. Um, mm-hmm. but when you pop them up next to each other, they actually scale really nicely, um, with, uh, with those. And because I enjoy collecting the Marvel ladies in that, I thought that this would be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the, the one place that, uh, I, I'm not necessarily a hasn't a hundred percent sold on is just, um, with the, the face, the eyes are, um, nothing wrong with the, the way that they are painted, but it just kind of, it's a little bit over, uh, a little bit cartoony maybe. Um, yeah, there's something off. Yeah. And I think it doesn't help that the hair doesn't have a wash or anything through it. So it's just, yeah, it's, purple yeah. it's purple um, and shiny and shiny yep so i mean this is obviously how they you know save money and produce it at this price point um i totally skipped over the packaging uh, which is a window box with the reverse clamshell in it um again very bishojo-ish if you collect um that so uh you know it means that you can see it nicely um in the piece i'm really not quite sure how they are doing this at the price point that they're doing it but i think it's fantastic that they are um the the uh doctor strange is definitely the one that's been the most tempting to me but i'm trying to kind of draw a line and say no no i'm not collecting the male characters so you know maybe that's one rabbit hole i can actually avoid going down madness madness i know it's such so, a, I mean, yeah. if these are if these are going for such a price difference, that implies that the cost of painting them is significantly more than we would otherwise have thought. Because normally we've always kind of assumed that it's like the cost of materials more than the the paintwork, right? Yeah, yeah. This is the popular belief. I, I don't know. I mean, I think you know, there's not a lot of paint here a lot you know a lot of it is cast in i think in the color plastic which is um then you know part of what you can kind of then see that lack of detail because we're not getting the same level of um paint work um sure. but i i think that um you know the 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 cost of the something like a bashojo is an example is a softer plastic and they and when you look at the detail that's there there's a lot more detail like it would be a much more expensive mold um than this which is pretty um basic so um okay. but you know I, I think it's fun i think it's great that they're and, and any i'm always a fan of uh lines that do characters that haven't been done a zillion times before yep yeah. and you know particularly with something like this um you know where it's a pretty obscure uh, look for like in terms of, you know, what she's known for now is not this. Um, and so the fact that they, you know, went out and did that, I, I take my hat off to them and I'm quite interested in what else they do with this line. Mm, fair enough. Uh, you know, I think maybe as a, you know, a dolly rating to be fair, you know, it's probably, I'd say probably it's a seven, you know, like it's not a, it's not a, there's nothing wrong with it, but it, it isn't a 10 out of 10, um, piece. Um, the base is really fun. You know, there's some nice detail in the shooting star, uh, base, uh, that's there. It's a lot more interesting than the kind of black plastic disc that often comes with the Bishojo stuff. So that's something. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
that it's fun. Um, I'm going to work really hard to try and stick to the female characters in this line and uh, only ones that don't double up with the Shoujo stuff. That's for now. Cool. Yay. Well, I believe that means that we are complete. It sure does. It sure does. Um, Thanks for listening, as always. And uh, don't forget that you can send us feedback, podcast at actionfigureblues.com and all the things that will be mentioned in the end, end credits. And we haven't done a proper feedback session in a while, for, or for the, a while even, um, but we will do one properly and catch up shortly with all of that. But thanks for your continued listening and enjoyment and all those good things. Hooray. And a uh, big shout-out to Eddie, who has been editing a lot of the – uh, shows um, since the reboot. Um, it's not really a hiatus anymore because we didn't hiate. We, <laughs> we, we completely failed at the hiatizing. Um, but so I'll call it the reboot now. I think that's fair. Yeah. It's a reboot, yeah. right? It's kind of like, the, you know, the more cash, less structured. Yeah. Still, still on time. Yeah. AFP. Just. Just. Yeah. <laughs> It's all good fun. We even got Justin on last week. He's still alive. I know. It's crazy. I know. I was like, who are you? Oh, okay. Yeah, you can come. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I think we should say goodbye. Bye. Good night, nerds. The Action Figure Blues podcast can be found on iTunes and Stitcher Radio and can be downloaded direct from actionfigureblues.com. Wherever you listen, please take a moment to leave a positive rating and review to help others find our show. We also have an active fan forum at afbforum.com where you can join with all the hosts of the podcast and many other collectors to discuss news, reviews, old lines, and trade and sell in a safe community. Please join us there. While you're at actionfigureblues.com, don't forget to check out our sponsors like Mike's Comics and Stuff, The Pop Culture Superstore, Bam Kapow, and Davy Boy's Toys. You can find us on Twitter at AFBlues, on Instagram at ActionFigureBlues, and on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash ActionFigureBlues. Thanks for listening. Well, now we'll hand over to Scott, who has the pleasure and dignity. Burr, 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 burr. Oh, oh, that's five, true. Yeah. yeah. In five, four, three. Do you have any clever intros available to your brain? Um, not really. And you're not going to get much sense of it out of me since I've been listening to Jesus Christ Superstar. Okay. Um, so you just don't know how to love him? No, nah, mm. I don't. Of course, the only intro that I'd think of would therefore be, what's the buzz? Tell me what's happening. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, let's just, let's go vanilla tonight. <laughs>